Jess. Hi, I'm Charlie. And hi, I'm Chris. Welcome to this week's That F1 podcast, where we're talking about everything from gossip to the trackside technical evaluations. This week we were in Bahrain, uh, competing in the first twilight race of the season, which became a night race after quite a lengthy delay. With the most serious crash we've seen for some time, another dog on the track and a double red bull podium. The first time we've seen two bulls on the podium since 2017. I think he meant bulls, but we'll let that one slide. I think we should start by giving a round of applause to the medical team, Dr Ian Roberts and Alan van der Meer. Who's for South African for yeah. an absolutely heroic response. Uh, we say all the time that F1 drivers are superhuman, and they are, but the medical team that, like, yesterday were absolute superheroes. So thank you, guys. Also, like to say a massive thank you to all bodies involved in the Halo, which clearly went quite some way to saving Roman um, in the incident. You know, down from Delara, who built the Haas chassis, to Mercedes, the FIA, Charlie Whiting, who was a massive advocate for the Halo. Back in 2015, there were some of the older school drivers uh, who were opposed to it, but seeing its use across the likes of F1, F2, F3, the W Series and Formula E, um, it's clear to see after this weekend that it is a massive lifesaver. So yeah, on the whole, it was probably one of the worst crashes I've seen in F1. It's up there with the kind of Kubica crash back in 2007, back in Canada. It was just the kind of the nature of the accident. Without the fire, I feel that it may have just been looked over as just another crash. But, you know, it was the camera angle and everything kind of fed into it being this huge, huge incident. I mean, I don't think I'm going to forget it for a very long time, if ever. Jin, like... Looking back at the coverage now, I remember the sh- even the shot where it happened. We were looking kind of at the cars coming towards us. You could see the midfield in the background. And then all of a sudden you just saw this absolute fireball. Mm. And I remember taking a gasp in and not really understanding what had just happened. Because, yeah. I mean, you can be a Formula One fan, a motorsport fan for as m- many years as you like. And I bet you won't have seen something like that before because it was frightening and I genuinely was just so scared because at the time you didn't know who it was. No, exactly. And For it, those who it, might not have seen it, it was coming down the first real straight of the track. Um, Roman Grosjean has tried to, um, well, it's kind of the source is a bit hazy, uh, but he has kind of collided with Danny Kavir and has been sent into the into the wall, into the Armco barrier, uh, which resulted in the car splitting the barrier in half. And as a result, the car kind of crumpled into two pieces uh, with the fuel kind of bag, I think it was, exploding upon impact. Yeah, it it was scary. I mean, absolutely no fault to Danny Kvyat, though. In my opinion, from what I could see, and I'm not sure anyone is really sure, but I'll give my opinion on the matter. I think that Grosjean, from what we can see of his onboard camera, thought that Kimi Raikkonen, who had gone off to the left, was going to rejoin the track and maybe become a bit close to him. So we tried to go to the right, at which point there was debris coming off Lance Stroll's car because he'd had a minor touch with someone Mm. further up the pack. And I think he then saw that debris, decided to move more over to the right, but didn't quite realise that Danny Kvyat was there. So they didn't even really touch that badly. It was simply because of the fact that there was a... What's it called? Uh, a road. What road was it? 
Oh, a uh, one of the service, service roads. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the service roads that came onto the track. So it just meant that he caught he caught the wall yeah. at just a completely wrong angle where there wouldn't normally be a wall. Yeah. So it really was just an absolutely horrific crash in the most horrific of circumstances. Yeah, Chris, what did you think of the of the incident? I'm honestly amazed he was alive with the, with like the fireball that just erupted from it. And then, like, the pictures afterwards where the car's split in two and, like, it, the front end has rolled and gone into an angle where you can't even really tell what bit of the car it is. Mm. And then it just shows him, like, climbing over the fence. I can't believe it's alive. I really can't. Like, you're watching it and you're like, you've just seen someone die. But luckily, no, he hadn't. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important to point out, that actually, Grosjean is okay. Yeah, he's sat somewhere in a nice military hospital in Bahrain with yeah. burns on his ankles and wrists, I think it was, and then maybe a couple uh, bruised or broken ribs. We know um, this morning, is it, um, uh, Pietro Fittipaldi has been brought forward as the kind of Haas reserve driver to race in the next leg, which is also back in Bahrain next weekend where they're going to do the outer loop. Um, but it looks like potentially Roman may have raced his last race in F1 at the moment. Yeah, poor, poor, poor Roman. I mean, our thoughts are completely with him and his family because it must be an absolute terrible time. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we saw Roman on sun, maybe next Sunday just watching the race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think that, he's there anyway. <laughs> yeah, with the news coming, I think recently, I think in the last few days, he's been looking at IndyCar drives or WEC. Um, there's been a lot of chopping and changing going on and finalising dates um, with different drivers. We know as of this morning as well, Callum Eilot's not due to get into uh, an F1 seat, which was speculated quite heavily. Uh, but yeah, it'd be a definite shame to see Roman go out like this. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we I hope that we see him back at some point anyway, in some capacity as a reserve driver or something, because he's been with us now since 2007. Yeah, I think he he had his debut very, uh, it was even, oh, I can't remember when it was, but I want to say it was Valencia at some point, rings a yeah. bell with Renault. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's been around a long old time now. So I think he's kind of a very good representative of the drivers as well. He's not always got the most fans or anything. He can be quite a... Um, dividing figure at the best of times, but he's certainly shown massive strength in kind of his reaction to everything over the last couple of days. Definitely. And I mean, for those who don't know, he is generally probably one of the nicest people they have on the grid, isn't he? A yeah. very smiley person, very considerate, you know, a loving father and husband. So really to see that happen to him was just awful. Mm. But also to see him at the hospital smiling was just lovely. I don't know about you guys, but I thought to myself, how am I going to sleep tonight? I'm, I'm just going to lay there and be like, I hope Grogan's yeah. okay. I, I think that... that video was just, it was brilliant because it was just nice to see him smiling. And I mean, you've got to admit, he did look quite cute with those little bandages on his hands kind of there. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> um, I thought that all the support from the drivers as well during the delay and after the race, um, of course, it's something that is going to remain in the minds of a lot of drivers. It is always there. And there's often a debate going on about, you know, these people, they're getting paid lots of money, like when you look at Lewis or Max and those kind of people. But people need this is a massive wake up call for people who outside of F1 don't appreciate what these guys do. At the end of the day, they are risking their life large majorities of the time, whether you're going around a slow corner or top speed, it's still as dangerous as each other. And I think that it 
a massive demonstration of how well the kind of safety aspect of F1 has come along. Um, you've got a question even five, six years ago before the halo, is that accident going to end differently or are there going to be different repercussions from that? Yeah, I do, I do completely agree. And I think I think that Formula One would be silly to not use this opportunity to try and better themselves safety-wise, to try and work out what happened, why did the car split, why was there that fireball, you know, why did it why did it catch fire? They would be silly not to take this as an opportunity yeah. to thoroughly investigate it and work out how that happened and prevent it in the future. But I also think it's also down to not trying to blame anyone because I'm not, but it also comes down to the track itself because the barriers shouldn't have done what they did. So I think like the Bahrain track need to really look at their defences and see is that, you know, does that work with a modern F1 car that can go as fast as it does? Does that protect them? I don't know. I mean, once the kind of reset was about a 45 minute break, I think, between the accident and the restart. And then even after the restart, there was a safety car with yet again, Daniel Kvyat being involved in the tight right-hander with Lance Stroll. Um, once the race got going, it was a very entertaining race. Um, all the drivers, I imagine, had a bit in the back of their minds about how Roman was. and But, you know, it didn't take away from any of the battles that were happening on the track. Out front, it was very secure for Hamilton. I think he was very dominant in what he did, as he usually is. And Max was there or thereabouts, being a five seconds or so behind at any given moment, you know, until the end of the race where he decided to pick up an extra stop to get a fresh set of tyres. But it was the battle for third place in the, both the race and the constructors, which really kind of filled the action quota almost for the race. Yeah, it was interesting that it led to a, a Red Bull podium. It was something I don't think we've seen for a while, is it? No, not. A, I think the last time they got a podium in Bahrain was 2013, let alone having both cars on the podium. Um, you know, granted, Albon may have capitalised on misfortune from for, uh, from racing points point of view. I remember seeing many, many pictures of Otmar Safnauer head in hands on the racing point wall, you know, that would have been back-to-back -back podiums for Perez and definitely cementing his claim to a drive next year. But, you know, I, 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 it's hard to judge what's going to happen in that department, especially with Albon being the man to pick up the third place there, his second podium of the year and his second podium of his career. It's hard to see how Perez is going to worm his way in now. I mean, I completely do agree with that. When... When Perez, this is going to sound so terrible because I really do like Sergio Perez, but I also really like, as we know, I really love Alex Albon. I think he's brilliant and I think he should be given a chance. So when that small splatter of smoke started to come out the back of Sergio Perez's car, I was like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> and and when he did it again, I was like, it's not, you know, it's not a joke. He's really got engine problems. <laughs> and I was always screaming at the telly, come on, Alex, just do an overtake, get past him, get past him. And then obviously Sergio Perez had to pull over and his engine caught fire in the end, which is obviously not great, but he was OK. Everyone was OK. And Alex got a podium. So I'm happy. And it was also ironic that he took it off Sergio Perez. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the ramifications for third in the constructors as well I went from Force India, not Force, I keep saying Force India, it's Racing Point, it's been Racing Point for a couple of years now, and it's, I still see the pink, I think, Force India, but um, either or, you know, 
it's they still went from having 18 points guaranteed with three laps to go to picking up nothing. McLaren ended up coming fourth and fifth, which is a nice little points haul for them. I think they're now 17 points clear of the next team below them. You know, Renault picked up, they had a tough race. They were mainly battling each other for a large majority of it. And it got a bit tiresome watching them take turns and going down the back straight, passing each other. And Ferrari were just completely off the pace this weekend. And, you know, it's going to pose some real questions next weekend of, basically a track which is more of a square than it is anything else it it's going to rely heavily on top speed and the ferrari cars have not been good at top speed circuits this year and that's no kind of secret to anybody at this point the this is a real chance for you know force india racing point even to really capitalize on the lack of pace from other engines you know this might be the time when we see williams come through as well very strong showing from them with, I think, 12th and 14th this weekend. You know, we could see one of them theoretically creep into that top 10 spot next next week, hopefully. You know, fingers crossed. I think Latifi had a really strong outing. His confidence probably knocked a little bit by Turkey. Um, but, you know, he really showed this week coming back. Uh, he was up against the Saubers, who were on very strange strategies of one-stops. And Pierre Gasly actually made it work for him with that safety car. But... You know, he, seventh place for him is still going to be about where he wants to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's really interesting, like, with Pierre Gasly. I think normally his strategy would be, like, at the centre. You know, everyone would be like, what was he doing? You know, was that right? Was that wrong? Because so much else happened in the race, we kind of just forgot about it. But it was a really interesting strategy that the team either had two options to pull him in for that second pit stop, where he would probably get to 11th, and then try and push forward on new tyres, mm. or to stay out and try and hold on to that within the points area. And I mean, they did the right call in the end, I think, because seventh isn't awful. It's it's points at the end of the day. And also, I think if they'd have taken him in, he would have bounced, he would have gone all the way back to eleventh. And the overtaking in that midfield is just almost yeah. impossible at the moment because everyone's so good. Yeah, yeah. One man who didn't seem to have that issue was Carlos Sainz in the early stages and the mid stages. The soft tyres after all the delays and, you know, the kind of safety car period really came into his own after that. He ended up, he made complete kind of easy work of Leclerc and the Ferrari. He then proceeded on going past both Renaults and he was on a very attacking strategy starting down in fifth. Uh, ooh, yeah, 15th, I think it was. He had an issue in qualifying on the Saturday. But I think he really made amends. I think Lando was very mature in his drive as well. Um, you know, he didn't set a foot wrong the entire weekend. He made passing looking look easy. He stayed a good... He was, I think he was catching Albon towards the end as well. I wanted to say maybe, maybe by a couple of seconds every other lap or something. But, you know, he was still there or thereabouts. And I think that both, if you put him and Danny Ricciardo in that car with a Mercedes engine next year, it's going to be a very interesting season going forward i'm really looking forward to it and i think yeah, we can't praise carlos enough for what for coming no. fifth i mean he went up 10 positions yeah. on saturday he had a rear brake failure which is really scary for a driver to all of a sudden feel like they're not in control that is yeah. scary so for him to come back and race like he did was really good and i don't know about you guys but i after obviously the grosjean crash at the start i didn't really want to watch it anymore I kind of thought, oh, please let this race be over. 
my head can't take it, my heart can't take it. I just, I want it to be over and I want them all to be safe and back in their garages. But I, that's not the way it works. But I then really liked Carlos's overtaking with, I want to say it was um, Leclerc. Yeah. Because it was a really nice overtake. They came in on each other a little bit on the corners, but there was no touching involved. They didn't even get close. So it was a really fair yeah, you know, it had a lot I, of models in it, and it made me feel a lot better about I it. I think that does embody both of them as drivers as well. And I think in an equal way, if they both get a good Ferrari underneath them next year, they could equally be there or thereabouts with McLaren and Red Bull, even maybe. You yeah. know, it's it's hard to see where it's going to go for next year. You've got to say that Mercedes are still going to be up the top, but anything can happen re- in reality the rules are there to shake things up and after seven back-to-back or six back-to-back constructors or seven or however many it is now it's about time things got shook up I mean you know the drivers are going to start changing now we've got kind of almost a 50-50 split of um, you know of the older generation of drivers with the likes of Kimi, Lewis, Valtteri, Sergio Perez and then you've got the younger generation of Stroll, Russell, um, Lando and there's going to be a time when the older generation will have to call it a day you know the likes of Kimmy's likely to only last maybe another season and with the likes of such talented drivers in F2 at the minute with Schwartzman, Schumacher, Mazepin um, you know Sonone I could go on the, pretty much the whole top 10 worth of points for them um, probably all warranting a spot in F1 I think Callum Eilat said after Felipe Drogovic's victory on the Saturday uh, that he's one for them definitely to look at as well. So there's a whole wealth of talent there and you've got to question where the seats are going to go in the future. Yeah, I mean, I've got a quick question for Chris because I am genuinely interested in this. So, you know, earlier I said that I didn't really want to watch it anymore because I was a bit scared and I didn't, you know, it was a scary thing to go through. I wondered how you felt as someone who you know, has been into Formula One for a bit less. I wondered whether you felt uncomfortable watching it or whether you were okay with it. Um, well, I was definitely thrown off because I, when I think of Formula One, I don't think of crashes. Like if it was NASCAR, I wouldn't be surprised. But when it's Formula One, it w- it was weird. And as well, for some reason, I know it's on this track a lot, their was it their front spoilers and their rear like spoiler bit, they were scraping the ground. There's a lot of sparks coming up. And after that crash, I was like, oh, no, oh, they're going to do it again. Oh, they're going to do it again. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure why that was with the Bahrain track, and I haven't really noticed it on many other tracks. But, uh, yeah, it did. Um, yeah, go on. Why is that? <laughs> I can tell you, or I think I can. Charlie, correct me if you don't think I'm right. But is it because Bahrain has an incredibly rough, grippy track because of the things like sand coming onto the track? It has to be really gravelly to make sure that the cars don't slip. But that means that the aluminium am i right in saying it's aluminium? Uh, yeah it's either the aluminium or i know there's uh, typically on every car there's a wooden board that goes down the middle to whether yeah. to i think that's to measure the wear on the bottom of the car so there's um, something metal on yeah. the bottom of the car that scrapes against the scrapes against the ground when they're on straights because there's loads of downforce on the car so the faster they go the lower the car goes to the point where it sometimes hits the ground and scrapes but it's fine. It's meant to do that to a certain extent. Obviously, and, if it's too bad, everyone will be like, oh. Unless but, you're Daniel Ricciardo, uh, who had something stuck under his car for a couple yeah. laps at the end of the race where it was just everywhere. Even in yeah. the slow corners, there were just sparks flying everywhere. Yeah. That's not what it's there for. But yeah, 
correct yeah. with so it's more like a visual aid for like drivers and driving teams and that a little bit it's just it's just one of the kind of like repercussions of having a really fast car is that sometimes it's just so fast that it goes so much to the ground that it does scrape and on Bahrain because it's so gravelly it happens easier but it shouldn't happen on corners so when they hit the brake they instantly lift back up again it's a bit like being you know relieving oh yeah yeah it's a bit like you know thinking about it more you're kind of taking your foot off the brake means you come up off the ground which means you don't make sparks oh yeah and then another thing i did notice watching it was this was the first one where I noticed they were driving in the dark. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's because Bahrain is a very hot place and it's colder. Well, not colder, it's more of a normal F1 temperature in the evenings. And if you did it in the day, it'd be way too hot for F1 cars. Yes. So I think it's Bahrain. <laughs> Bahrain and Singapore are typically the two tracks where they do that. They can just about get away with it in the likes of Australia. Um I think a, re- a very good reference of when it, when a track is too hot is actually the F2 race. F2 is split into feature and sprint, and the sprint race typically are not allowed to make a pit stop. However, this weekend, because of the temperatures on track, they said that basically they could just make a pit stop anyway. The tyres were just going to, you know, the degradation on them was going to be too high. Um, but yeah, definitely the track temperature mellows out as it gets tonight. And, you know, it just helps. It's more entertaining racing when you've got that consistency. If they race during the day, the tyres would just be kind of, you know, on the softer sets okay. of tyres, you'd be lasting 10 laps. And the mediums would probably last 15, maybe, or maybe even less than that. Effectively, they've just disintegrated into nothingness. They would have the consistency of like a marshmallow. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for answering my questions. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Um, yeah, I think I think we've covered everything there. We? I'm trying to think yeah. now. What else we got? Yeah, I mean, next weekend we're back at Bahrain with the oval, oval in inverted commas. Uh, it's basically four straights, um, and you know it's going to be interesting to see what the mentality of everybody going in is. But I think kind of coming out of the weekend, the main points are. We're very glad that Roman's okay. We can't thank all the people involved in making sure he's okay, ranging from, you know, Dr. Ian Roberts and his team to uh, Michael Massey, who managed to get everything back, you know, to vague normality pretty quickly, uh, to the people who are looking after him at the nearby military hospital. You know, on the whole, it's been a great showing for Formula One and how far we've come from, you know, some of the, older days yeah i completely agree next race predictions um oh i'm gonna go with hamilton verstappen and perez yeah i'll go next if you want chris and then you can just copy me i'm joking (laughs) so i'm gonna go for hamilton verstappen ricardo I'm going to go with Hamilton uh, and then it can just be anyone because it's always going to be Hamilton first. I, I got really disappointed when I saw him win again. I was like, oh, can you just <laughs> just just once start him at the back of the track and then watch him? I tried to say to my dad, he was like, oh, Hamilton's so good. I was like, yeah, but he's, he starts in the front and he finishes in the front. Start him in the back. Start him halfway through, you know, and then then if he does it, he's good. Yeah. So you don't... Second and third, come on, pick him uh, out, pick him out a hat. Bottas uh, and Perez. Oh, okay. okay. I'm going to quickly tell you my rationale for Ricardo because I've actually thought about it. 
and that is Rene have the fastest car in a straight line, and there's lots of straight lines. Yeah. See? I don't. Who knows? After the last few races, who could get Seb Seb back on the podium again? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think until next time, we're out. See you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>